Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the original finale of our mini-series on Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Today, Jenna and Katie are back to talk about the sequel to the 2010 Tim Burton remake, 2016's Alice Through the Looking Glass. This was the final Alice episode we did in 2022, but we have more coming. Next week, we'll be looking at one of the most recent Alice adaptations from Disney, Alice's Wonderland Bakery. And after that, we'll probably move on to Peter Pan, but we will be coming back for more Alice episodes later this year. There are still several Disney adaptations to go, all from television, so they're going to take me a little longer to get through before we can record the episodes. There's the 90s Disney Channel series Adventures in Wonderland, there's the ABC series Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and at least a couple more more obscure things that I do want to cover as well. Either way, for now we've got one more Alice film to go, so let's get on with Alice Through the Looking Glass with Jenna and Katie. Okay, so... I liked this way better than the first one. <laughs> yeah, same. Like, a lot better. Like, I'd, I'd forgotten, like, I think I'd only seen this the one time in the theater, and I'd forgotten most of it, but I enjoyed this watch-through way better than last week's watch-through of the first one. Yeah, I did too. It wasn't as much as a struggle for me. <laughs> I think it's partly because they just really did their own thing with it, and the other one... It was like they tried to do the book, but also not do the book at the same time. And this was just like, let's just do whatever we want and everybody's going to have fun with it. And you could tell that everybody was having fun with what they were doing. Yeah, it was better than the first one. It had more of a plot. So that was something. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of people who actually do like this movie, like the Burton Alice. They don't like this movie, and apparently none of us are on that camp. <laughs> so it's going to be a very biased review. Yeah. Well, like I said, I like the first one well enough. I I don't. I can't explain why. I just do. But yeah, this one's way better. I think the difference is for a lot of people because it does have a different vibe. It has a different attitude, and if you like the first one, it's just not the same. Of course, that is what makes it stronger, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but some people like the Burton phoning it in uh, fairy tale <laughs> thing. You know, so it's um, I shouldn't. I okay, sorry. I think Burton's kind of phoning it in for Alice. This one, he had no involvement beyond you know having made the first one, mm-hmm. and it was technically his Alice. That that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wondering if the new director just really liked the story more than Burton did. Because in its in in a way, like this is totally not through the looking glass at all. But it's I thought not. the nods to the books were a little bit more clever and done better. I thought they weren't as in your face and tributey. Yeah, because I I feel like the first one, it's like yes, there's a lot of references to the books, but it's like very in your face. It, like if you know, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, I feel like that that is though. Um, I will say the first, the looking glass house scene. Yeah, that is really like full of it. I was going to say that one stood out to me the most, like going into that room when she first walked through the glass. That that stood out to me as the most out of place scene in the movie and the most like the Burton film, probably because it was trying to be the book that it came from and it wasn't. I think they were just kind of like, let's do the, we kind of do the book, but not really get it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
But whereas the other tributes um, throughout the film are way more subtle. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, um, when uh, the Red Queen's being uh, coronated, there's like a, a banner with the royal sigil on it, and it's the lion and the unicorn. It's yeah. like the actual Taniel illustration. Like, I, that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's just in the background, it's not being waved in your face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just more subtle. I also like the fleshing out of the character of time because time is mentioned as a person in the book, but it's just a mention and it's more like wordplay than anything. But I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but I kind of liked that they took that direction, especially if they're going to do a time travel story. Why not take that mention from the book and turn it into something bigger? I kind of liked that. I might as well mention the reason why I don't mind this movie as much as the first there's a lot of people you know might be well you're a purist you don't like plot and it's like no that's not the case i actually i'm actually the kind of alice adaptation person where i actually enjoy when people use alice to tell new stories Mm -hmm. um because i think i can't i do understand it's not like the easiest story to adapt but i think it makes really interesting material Mm -hmm. um, when you do different things with it so in this the reason why I like it more is because I feel like this movie uses the books as a natural starting point. Like I, I feel like the plot makes more sense of Alice. It's not this weird war story just mm-hmm. with Alice one land forced in. True, it, it's more of a time travel story than an Alice story. Mm-hmm. I will admit that. But um, it just feels more natural to me, especially since time is mentioned in the books. I really like that I feel like they wreck, they try to retcon a lot of things from the first movie. Yes, they definitely did. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, you know, like explaining why the Red Queen has a big head, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it feels more like, I don't know, it just feels more considerate, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I can um, see that, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I just, I like the vibe of it more. The, it doesn't look like dirty either. Wonderland yes. actually looks really yes. nice. Yeah. yeah. I think when I'm thinking back on these films, I think before last week, I think this is the movie that I'm thinking more of the aesthetic from. Because even though I did like some of the initial scenes in the last one, like the, like I would say it's kind of like supposed to be beautiful decay. Like I know you hated it, but when she first walks into Wonderland and everything's kind of. Yeah. It's like part dreary, part colorful. I do like that. But then after that, everything just gets grayer and grayer and grayer. I think I was actually thinking more of this film than I was thinking of that film. I think my memories have kind of conflated the two. And this one has the aesthetic that I really like. It's very colorful, Mm -hmm. really creative, and it's way better than the first one. Even though I I do like that initial scene, the, the melding of the two for the most part, the movie just does get grayer and grosser looking. I mean, it's supposed to because it's supposed to be like desolate, dystopia, whatever. But this one is way better in that regard. It's like the first one had the gothic aesthetic. And yeah. this one's just like, you know what? I, the director's like, I didn't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this feels like you're in a wonderland. And I could actually see why someone might consider staying in this one. Yes. Um, canonically, I suppose you, I suppose you could say it's Wonderland after it's healed from being war torn. Yeah. 
you know, but uh, let's be real, the director probably hated how it looked in the first one. <laughs> it's possible. I'm just going to assume James, uh, what's his name? James Bobbin. I'm just going to assume his mind because I, I assume he's a logical person because I like his, I like his film. <laughs> so we agree on everything, obviously. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's my buddy. <laughs> And I think another thing I do like about this film is it feels more like it has to do with Alice herself. Because the first yeah. one, it really felt like she was just there. Yeah. Um, and you were being told these things about her, but it, she just, she was very reactive. She wasn't really act. She was very passive. Yeah. And, and part of that had to do yeah. with the fact that she thought she was in a dream and she just didn't really care about anything because of that. Whereas well, in this is, one. Is like, I feel like. I feel like in this one, it kind of sets it up more that she was grieving really bad in the first yeah. one. Yeah. It kind of retcons the first one. Oh, and I appreciate I, yeah, that. I can see that. Yeah. Because there's a lot to do with her father. Yeah, there's a lot to do about her father. And so, like, retroactively looking back, you'd be like, oh, she was depressed. You know? Yeah, depression was like a huge thing in this movie. Yeah. But the, the thing that bothers me is just. I feel like that actually would have been a really good theme for the first one. Yeah, it would have. And they just didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so I really like that. I really like the theme of grieving in this one because, you know, uh, TMI time, my own dad passed. So it's, you know, I've been there and, um, you know, you go through a lot of coming to terms with the new reality. So Mm -hmm. I, I guess that they introduced this kind of theme in the sequel probably does hit a little close to home for me and makes me like it more because I can identify with it. Mm. But even if it didn't, I still think just giving Alice some more humanity, mm-hmm. more presence adds a lot to just being able to relate to her. Mm-hmm. And then I, I also feel like grief goes very well with Alice in Wonderland, even though like I am going to say the, the original books, uh, at, at least Alice, Avengers Wonderland, the first book, had nothing to do with grief. Um, a lot of people feel like the second book has some themes of grieving because Carol had lost his father shortly before he had written that. And certainly you, you, you get a lot of like melancholy tones from the poems in that book. And I, I know one person I spoke to, I forget who, but he said that he thought perhaps they added the grief theme because of that theory. And possibly, I, I think it was really they were trying to retcon why she was so bland in the first one. But anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like this movie is more, it's the journey in the movie is more sub, uh, symbolic of Alice's own journey mm-hmm. internally. And I appreciate it. Yeah. And I think it's also just better written too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit sad uh, considering Linda, Linda Wolverton is the screenwriter for Beauty and the Beast. Of, and she, which one did she write? The first one? Um, yeah, the animated Disney movie. Well, I mean, of the of the of these two, did she write the first one? Oh, she wrote the first one. I, I don't know okay. who wrote Through the Looking Glass. Hold on. Let's see who wrote it. Oh, she wrote this one too. Okay. Well, she did much better. Okay. <laughs> I can see why people like her work. Now I'm wondering what the heck happened in the first one. <laughs> But the thing is, I've never, I've done no research for these films because I'm so not interested. 
<laughs> doing that. But I, I, my gut feeling is Burton. Probably something happened there. It could be. And I think they were just really leaning too hard into the chosen one war hero story. Yeah. And I mean, it's not bad. Like, I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm, I know I I'm in the bad. minority. I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> I don't think it's bad, bad. I don't think it's amazing or anything, but I think they leaned way too hard into the chosen one hero thing. And I don't think yeah. Alice in Wonderland needs that. And I think that's where it suffered the most. But this one didn't have to do that. So the thing that's weird for me, I feel like the first one is supposed to be about identity. Yeah. Like figuring out who you are and knowing who you are. But it de- I feel like it doesn't do it right at all. No, yeah. especially not with the whole destiny predetermined thing. But yeah, that's where it makes no sense. It's like you can't tell me this is about identity when they're literally telling her who she needs to be. Mm hmm. So what's kind of interesting in terms of the sequel, I feel like the sequel is trying to set up that actually she was supposed to have gone back in time and done these things. So when the characters meet her in the first film, they keep saying the wrong Alice and stuff because she's not acting like the one they already met. I don't really know if that what exactly if that's what they were meaning or not, but I think I it mean was. it could it could be another retcon. I think it's a retcon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling them out. <laughs> at the very least it seems to be implied hatter is like i know you anywhere and that's why yeah yeah i feel like it kind of retcons the first movie too that he's the one who identifies her the most because he spent the most time with her mm-hmm. it's still stupid don't get me wrong it's still- <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna sit here defending the movie's stupid choices it's still dumb but i mean they tried yeah Hey, you guys have any thoughts you want to bring up? Well, what did you think of all the real world stuff? Because you have the film picking up some years later. Alice has been on a multi-year sea voyage. I will say I appreciate that they actually included a scene where she's competent. Because that's <laughs> like my biggest complaint about the first one is that you get no inkling that she wants to be a businesswoman mm-hmm. or a ship's captain or whatever. There's absolutely no inkling at all. I will say the only thing I don't like about it is I don't feel like I believe it with this actress. Mm-hmm. She just kind of seems confused the whole time to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. Maybe people could disagree, and that's fine. I think I would believe it more with another actress is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But they were kind of stuck with this casting joy <laughs> from the first movie. <laughs> And she was casted to be confused. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like she just, I feel like the actress herself doesn't believe she's really doing it. But I don't know. That's just me. I give them a point for actually showing her being competent because that was my biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I liked that they brought back pretty much everybody other than the people who are now dead. Like her mother, the Ascots. I guess I had completely forgotten that they were still in this movie. Like I said, I only seen this one time and I completely forgot the Hamish subplot, even though it kind of, the whole thing kind of revolves around that. The real world story revolves around him. I forgot he was back, but I was glad to see that they got everybody back. He's just kind of a forgettable character, to be honest. He is. He is. He's <laughs> yeah. a very dumb villain. <laughs> yeah. He's so very, snivelly. Very shallow. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of motivation to him, which I guess is the point. Yeah. I don't know. But then it's like, 
oh yeah and then her mom's like oh yeah i've like sold my house to them to kind of force you to give up traveling (laughs) the world in your ship that's okay i didn't like how easily that was glossed over in the end yeah i felt like there should have been more did they explain why she did it or was it literally just because she didn't want to go adventuring anymore they didn't really explain it. I, I was kind of wondering if maybe giving her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she thought Alice was dead and that was her only way to get money. I don't know. No, I, I don't think so. I think she did it. Well, for one thing, I do think she was probably preyed upon by Hamish a little bit. Oh, probably. Yeah. But I think it was meant to be my daughter is supposed to be a lady of society. When she's back home, she needs to go get married and settle down. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be on these trips. And then in the asylum, <laughs> I I do think the asylum part is really, really stupid. I will say that's a really big flaw of the movie. But the asylum part is supposed to redeem her mom, right? Like she's like, oh, she's yeah. not my daughter be treated like a lunatic and be drugged. Mm-hmm. Run, Alice. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just kind of like, it's it still feels a little glossy over to me. It does. Yes. Yeah. I thought there should have been more with that. And for some reason, like in my memory, the asylum scene lasted a lot longer than it did. I was thinking there was more to that, but it's literally, she comes back home, wakes up, escapes, and then goes back to Wonderland. Yeah. I thought, I thought she was there for longer. She really wasn't. She was there for maybe a day and she doesn't really even remember being there. She just wakes up there. Be honest, like, I could kind of see why they think she's crazy and needs to be locked up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, not that Hamish is to be commended or anything, but I can see why he would assume that she's crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's being an a hole before being all women should have been on ships. But, <laughs> but yeah. literally, she ended up in his parlor going over the couch talking about what they thought was the atmosphere. <laughs> so, if, yeah, I probably would have sent her to the hospital too <laughs> yeah i i think in one regard yes she definitely probably if if she was crazy she needed some help however i think he just was happy to have an excuse to brand her as crazy and get rid of her oh of course yeah because yeah I, I think that's actually the point of it because later he's have trying to get her mom to finish the the shares which mm-hmm. he couldn't get before because it was supposed alice was supposed to have that but presumably if she's mentally unfit then her mom would be in charge of that yeah so yeah i don't like the asylum scene i also think it, it feels very thrown in for no reason besides to be like a rip off american mcgee or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i figured that they put it in because so many people's theories are that Alice in Wonderland is just her delusions. Like Alice was crazy. So she, that's, that's like one of the series. And I think that was just supposed to be like a nod to that. Yeah, but I, I didn't like it. It was very, it felt very unnecessary. I, th- I think it could have been done better. I didn't mind it, but it could have been done better. Uh, I just think it wasn't necessary. <laughs> I don't see any benefit it brought at all besides the whole female hysteria thing. Yeah. Uh, sexism. So it's, I didn't think it brought any benefit to the story at all. I would have rather focused more on her mo- relationship with her mom and anything else. It reminded me of Return to Oz. <laughs> yeah, but Return to Oz does it well. 
Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the, the her being institutionalized for delusions, that's what reminded me of Return to Oz. I think Return to Oz did do it better, but this was, it just reminded me of that. There was actually more than one thing in this movie that reminded me of Oz. My my thing also is Return to Oz is it's it's at the beginning. Real it's well, I guess technically technically it's at the end too, but it's not like in the freaking middle of the story. Yeah, no, that that's another thing that I completely forgot about. I didn't remember that she was in Wonderland for half the movie. Then she comes back and then is institutionalized, and then goes back to Wonderland. I'd completely forgotten that they'd put it into the middle. It feels I it was so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. That is one. That is why I think that it feels thrown in is because it just happens in the middle of the whole time travel thing. I think if anything, if you're going to have any point at all when she goes back to the real world, I think it would make more sense that she somehow runs into her mother and they have some development. Now they they do they try to do they that, in the scene, <laughs> but it's it's really forced and weak. It's definitely not enough for me to believe later that her mom's mind has really changed. Yeah, like, no. In a good development wise. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like she's wishy washy now. Yes, definitely. I don't believe she's convinced. I believe she's just, well, I guess if my daughter really wants to. <laughs> you know, I not mean, like, I believe my daughter now. Yeah, she needed, there needed to be more with that because she was obviously stewing for years about her daughter being away at sea. She didn't want her to be a sea captain. So she sold all this, all her share of the company. And then yeah. in just like five in her, in a five house. minute scene, she changes her mind. Yeah, and it and it's like just a split second, you know, when she goes run, and it's yeah. like what changed her mind was like if people think my daughter is crazy, she'll be injected with drugs. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it's like just like why <laughs> I have an alternative motive for wanting her to be in here. Yeah, with no the way she, with the way she had been acting when she came back in and saw Alice standing over the doctor that she had just knocked out with the syringe, I assumed that she was going to be like, "Oh no, she's really crazy," but instead she's like, "Run!" And I was like, "I feel like uh, that's okay. most normal people's reaction." Yeah, but that's the thing. It doesn't feel natural. No, it doesn't. No, I feel like most people would be like, "Oh God, now she's going to be in even more trouble." Yes, you know. I mean, that would have been my reaction to seeing her standing over the doctor with the doctor having a, a giant syringe stabbed into him. I yeah, would have like, been like, oh, no, she done? is. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in this one, it's just like, oh, I'm my mind is totally changed. Run, Alice, run. Find <laughs> yeah. the atmosphere. You can do it. <laughs> I wonder how she explains this later. Because that's another thing. She has absolutely no idea what Alice is talking about. <laughs> no, because I'm sure that Alice never told her about Wonderland. Yeah. But she keeps going on about how, oh, you sound like your dad. So maybe, maybe Mr. Kingsley would just go on about atmospheres under the couch. Just like <laughs> this is normal. Well, they do mention that her dad, they said some old-timey phrase that meant her dad was crazy. but Touched in the head. Yeah. Yeah, and they said, said the yeah. apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So maybe she just feels like, well, she's like her father, and her father was okay, so who knows? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I could get, you know, the thing is, and part of me would actually kind of like more of a plot line between her mother and Alice. Yeah. Her mother not understanding her and then eventually accepting her for who she is. 
But I just don't feel like that's what was delivered here. No, not really. Yeah. The, the stuff in the real world, world was probably the weakest stuff in the movie. Yeah, it, it really was. Like, eventually I was like, I don't care. And then at the end, yeah. you're like, oh, maybe they were going to set this all up so Alice stays in Underland. And maybe <laughs> she brings her mom with her or something. Like, let's let's go Oz on this, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, in the Oz books, eventually Dorothy decides to just stay. And her aunt and uncle moved to Oz with her. Yeah, but literally nothing is there for her in the real world as far as she knows. And she's like, uh, I got to go back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, especially because she when she gets back, she resigns herself to giving up her ship and her mother is the one who ultimately decides no nah, i'm not giving up alice's ship we'll keep it and we'll yeah. run you out of business yeah which i did like that line talking about she was going to run them out of business within a year <laughs> well, definitely alice makes bolder decisions so i could actually see that happening yeah so it is I, i'm not i don't have a mind for business at all but i mean does it strike uh, where do they get the money? That's like, what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, did they have yeah. a savings account somewhere? They didn't seem like they were particularly rich. Well, I mean, why would her mom put the house as a leverage or whatever if they were rich? It doesn't... I suppose she had the money from selling the shares of the business. Maybe there was, maybe that was a lot of money, enough to start another business, but who knows? I suppose knows? that's probably what they we're were thinking We're not meant to of. think about it. No, <laughs> Also, no. is it me... <laughs> Yeah, is it me, or are they uh, implying that Hardcourt at the end is interested in Alice? It's like I kind of wondered about that. Yeah, like a future romance. Yeah, they didn't really, they didn't have too much development. He was just kind of in the background making amused faces for, for most of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I like the cut of her jib. I'm going to piss this in there. <laughs> Anyway, uh, anything else about the real world? Oh, I have something. Why the heck did Lady Ascot have her baby at a ball? <laughs> that was so stupid. That she couldn't never find happened. a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, and then the governess takes her away. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. They would have had a nanny or something, especially because they're rich. Yeah, it would have been very tacky. Yeah. If they had actually done that. Because that thing is screaming. <laughs> yeah, she's just like holding it. Like, <laughs> Yes, the guests are fine with this. This is not a high class function. It's okay. It's like, in modern day, she'd be the lady who wouldn't take her screaming baby out of the movie theater. <laughs> she would. That's, yeah. that's definitely what she'd be. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do how hard it is to be a parent. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the baby um, a reference to the uh, one that pig turned into oh a pig? Oh my word, you could be right. I didn't even think of that. I was like, is that where they're going with that? But then it never goes anywhere. So, like, I wonder. I mean, not that the Duchess was even really in these movies to be referenced. She wasn't even but... in this movie. There wasn't any pig babies in this movie. There were pigs in the first There were one, pigs in but... the first one. But not on this one, so I have no idea. A warm pig belly for her feet. <laughs> so, I don't know what was up with that, because I was like, are they trying to imply she's like the Duchess? I wonder. It's an extremely subtle reference, if it is, because I did not get that at all. But it makes sense. 
I would assume it is a reference. I just don't understand why. Yeah, no, I don't know I don't why. I don't see the point. Other than the fact that they just wanted to reference it. Yeah. I mean, I will say at least if it's merely just a tribute, like a reference to be a reference, I mean, I, I guess good job for being subtle. Because <laughs> that's what I didn't like about the first movie. It was in your face. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely subtle if that's what it is. <laughs> Yeah. I kind I kind of want to believe that it is a reference to that because I like the scene more now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't really think much of the scene at all. It's just the Victorian fanatic in me is just like ah. Yeah, <laughs> no, it does not make sense for the time. Yeah, well, a lot of things in this movie doesn't make sense. It, it oh, just kind of no. yeah. it's just kind of Hollywood for you. <laughs> no, yeah, there's nothing about this movie, mostly nothing that's very historically accurate. So. I don't generally pick apart that kind of stuff, but like I'm Alice not, like... comes in in this ridiculous <laughs> ensemble, which which like... is supposed to belong to the Dowager Empress of China or whatever she said it was. I'm not convinced that that was an actual historically accurate believe... Chinese yeah. dress. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Um, I mean, I will say. It's not completely out of place in terms of um, the English were very interested in the Orient. Yes. Um, and actually, in reality, you know, in the movie, everyone's like staring at her like, oh, my God, what a what a crazy woman. But in actuality, they probably would have been really interested. In- I was going to say, I thought that they would, should have been more fascinated instead of whispering about her and calling her a clown or whatever they were saying behind her back. <laughs> I thought they would. To me. You would think that they would be fascinated by this world traveler coming back from having been in China for so long, been gone for all these years, and suddenly she shows up wearing this fabulous costume. I would have thought that she would have garnered more interest. We forget that eccentric women existed in the Victorian era. Yeah. Like, yeah, I I guess the movie is trying to imply that most of them were put into asylums, which sometimes was the case. Mm -hmm. But um, there were eccentric women who would show up in similar um, outfits because of the interest in Orientalism and just being like, ask me about my world travels. Ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When when someone does ask Alice, she's like, the world, you want to know how the world is? Like, I, I think that's a pretty normal, polite topic of conversation, Alice. Like, what's your problem? Mm hmm. Uh, but I just, I think the outfit itself is just kind of nonsense. <laughs> it's uh, pretty uh, yes, nonsense. because I think I have a clip from the movie in my, like, I put together, like, an end credits thing. Actually, it was from a music video that I made years ago, and I took that. And I'd forgotten where in the movie that came from. And in my head, that was a dress that she'd gotten, like, in Wonderland. <laughs> and that's why it was so <laughs> crazy. And then she shows up at the ball, and I was like, Wait, that was from the real world? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. It would have made more sense in Wonderland. Yeah, I mean, it fits the aesthetic. It looks like something that one of the Hatters family would have worn. Except they dressed yeah. a whole lot more normal than Hatter did. <laughs> yeah, they dressed very... I find the way that... I guess we, we could skip to the Hatters family if you want. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. We, we didn't go in order in the last one. We don't have to go in order in this one. <laughs> yeah, well, we might miss something. Who knows? But um, the Hatters, I thought it was really weird because in the first movie, when you see them on whatever the heck day it's called, because I hate, I hate the I don't I remember any of the days, that. and I didn't write them down because they were yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 
in that one, they're wearing the kind of aesthetic he's wearing. Yeah. But in this movie, they're like, actually, just kidding. He's the crazy one, and all, <laughs> the rest of them are conservative. Maybe and his like, clothes are like party clothes. Maybe that was what they dressed as for yeah, parties, festival, and, and yeah, he just wears that all gear. the time. Because I, I think when they finally come out of the ant farm, um, they are wearing pretty, you know, obviously very degraded clothes, but it looks like mm-hmm. colorful clothes than they would than they wore in the flashbacks and the memories. I mean, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. It's one thing that I think it's fine. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's not something that I'm going to question too hard. I feel like it doesn't make that much sense in Wonderland. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, everybody in Wonderland is usually more outlandish, and they're, like, not, comparatively. Yeah, Yeah. but it's not horrible. It's okay. Yeah. So, what did you think of Time himself, Sasha Baron Cohen? Uh, He did great. I actually, I really enjoy that um, the movie sets him up to be, like, this villain. Mm -hmm. He's foreshadowed as a villain in the real world, I believe. There yeah, was a well, line she, about time Alice being a says, thief and a... Yeah, yeah. And, well, I mean, you look at his domain, it's very final boss in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but you're yeah, right. <laughs> he's got this ridiculous, these ridiculous clothes. And then you kind of see him in, like, a Grim Reaper kind of role, which, you know, the Grim Reaper is also, like, really misaligned like that, too. So mm-hmm. it's... I enjoy it. And then later you see the flip where it's like, well, actually, he's not the bad guy. My question, though, is why Why was he dating the Red Queen? Like, they were set up as a couple. Like, what, did he, see, what did he see in her? <laughs> well, keep in mind, uh, I, th- I think what they were trying to set it up was that he's obviously a very busy person. He has nobody there except for the um, machine people. Um, Wilkins and company. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably sh- sh- when she started, because I, I like to think she had this planned out. Because she obviously doesn't yeah, really care about him. That's She's just true. there for the chronosphere. So I think she came to him, and it happened to be he was really vulnerable because he didn't have anybody in his life. Yeah, that's probably so, true. And she's going on like, how come nobody loves me? And it's like, he actually does, the poor man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also, I also was kind of thinking like, after all she'd done, what would he see in her? But he doesn't actually, it's not like he's, god he doesn't he's not all knowing because when he ends the person's life he talks like he doesn't know what was happening like he hoped they had a good life or whatever so he's not actively seeing everything that's going on so he maybe just didn't know all of her atrocities yeah and he didn't know what he didn't know what alice looked like so yeah yeah he's not a god he's a i think of him more as like a timekeeper yeah He's a, he's just a caretaker. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I really, a little tangent, I really enjoy the clocks, the whole like pocket watch as a life thing and then putting them away mm-hmm. and Alice holding her father's pocket watch as a symbolism of her holding on to her grief is really good. Mm-hmm. I think a little obvious maybe, but I like it. I also kind of like that it sets up that Alice is an idiot. <laughs> um well because he literally says high tops not here yet and she just she's so convinced the hatter has to be wrong she's not listening to that right yeah i didn't even think of that but yeah because she doesn't even think of it until later when she suddenly yeah. remembers she that oh yeah about, they're not actually there 
Well, she's also convinced time is a villain. So she's like, yeah. I can't ask him for information on the high tops, whether they're dead or not, because he's not going to help me. Mm-hmm. But she's also convinced they are dead. So she's like, why would I ask? Yeah. Well, at that point, I can't really blame her for thinking that he's a villain because she already had that in her head. And then she hears him with the Red Queen, who she knows is a villain. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what other assumption could you make than, well, he's dating a villain, so he's a villain. Yeah. I mean, it, it just shows Alice is kind of like a Gryffindor, right? She thinks she doesn't think with her head. She thinks <laughs> <laughs> with her feeling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> you see know, that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoy that it's set up that way. Like, heck, I maybe even some people. I, I kind of wonder how many observant people, the first time watching, realize that he literally said "high tops not here yet." Because uh, I didn't. <laughs> I noticed it, but I didn't. It didn't register in my head as important. Because mm. at that point, I had for, I had also forgotten what the header's last name was. Because, yeah. like, oh, okay. in my head, he's just the Mad Hatter. And I know it's, like, Terrence or Tarrant Hightop. And they, they have a, they have very ridiculous names. And I'm not going to remember. Their, I did not write down any of their names because they're not that in my head. Like, they're the Dormouse. They're not Mally Umkin or whatever her name is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're just the names from I the think? book. Yes, yeah, something like that. And so yeah. I just wrote them as that in my notes. And so I'd forgotten exactly what the hatter's name was so even though he said they were not there yet i wasn't sure that that's who he was talking about so i didn't think about it as being important even though it should have been obvious yes it was important yeah well it's it's said um very casually kind of like those yeah like a little detail that's not relevant to the plot kind of way Mm -hmm. i think i was too focused on the fact that it was in alphabetical order and i was thinking that that was kind of weird i mean <laughs> like if if uh, not that you should like think too deeply about things but like if it's the afterlife not that it is an afterlife it's just kind of a record like why is it in english alphabetical <laughs> it's like not not something that you should think about i'm i got too caught up on the wrong details instead of the one <laughs> that you should have been thinking about <laughs> well i think uh, at least for the english part uh if you notice it says underlandians he doesn't take care of other places no he only takes care of wonderland underland the whole time thing is only to do with underland like yeah the time only because like you see the real world at the end when everything is like turning to rust or whatever that was the mirror rusts but the the rust doesn't leave the mirror it's only that world and the time when she's traveling she only time travels within underland she doesn't time travel within the real world because she goes into the mirror in the past and comes out at present her day. normal time yeah in present yeah. day yes so yeah everything to do with time is only within underland he has no control over anything else which is uh interesting yeah i mean it makes sense for what they're setting up here you wouldn't want like if he if he was also like king of time in her dimension that would be like far too much power <laughs> yeah true actually becomes a villain like follows her around everywhere <laughs> it's it, it's the setup for the the next Pretty sequel cool. now there's a trilogy <laughs> oh no <laughs> time now actually a villain <laughs> they they could take another work of lewis carroll and not follow any of that book but just use the title (laughs) hunting of the snork 
But the snark, the, the snark turns out to be Alice. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, about time. I do, I really, 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 really like the idea of going through a grandfather clock. I, I just like it. I don't know why I like I said I've only seen this once so it did not register to me that the exact same thing happens in the new Nutcracker movie which Katie and I just <laughs> talked about and when they went through yeah. the clock I was like wait a minute that just happened in the movie we just talked about a couple weeks yeah. ago <laughs> really uh, you guys just saw Nutcracker fantasy because that's I was thinking like I really like it when that happens Nutcracker fantasy too <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not like a bad thing. It's just I yeah. completely forgot about it, and I forgot that that the same trope happens where you get to another world through a grandfather clock. Yeah, it's just it's weird. It's like uh, kind of like in there in people's heads, but it's not really associated with anything. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know that it was even. Well, I mean, Nutcracker came later, so I don't know that anything was a reference to anything else. But I think it's just the coincidence no, it's like not a two reference. people having the same idea yeah and it's not a bad idea i like the idea of going into a clock i do too well i think it's just a very childlike way of thinking speaking of the clock why was it all chained up gotta keep time chained up i don't know there's probably some there's probably some <laughs> reason they, maybe they said i don't remember because like it was all chained up and then she just went poof and the chains disappeared, and I'm like, that seems unsafe and unnecessary. The chains also, of time. It, is that it also didn't doesn't make sense for like unless there's multiple entrances because the Red Queen has obviously been there before. Like she, I think there's probably multiple. And, I, I think there's multiple entrances. Yeah. So yeah, the chains then really don't make sense if they were trying to keep him in or whatever. I'm just not invited in this house. <laughs> I think, I think it's more that they're trying to keep people out. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. I don't know. I don't think they ever explained it well enough for me to remember because I didn't write anything down about why it was chained up. I don't remember them saying. Anyway, I choose to believe it's chains of time. There we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, my favorite part was that all his doors were shaped like his shoulder pads. I thought that was funny. <laughs> just perfectly sculpted for him it was funny to me i i might as well say i find sasha's uh interpretation of him very endearing yeah i liked the scene where the hatter took his shoulder pads and said look time flies and was making them flap <laughs> there was a lot of dumb time puns that i enjoyed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean there's so many idioms having to do with time and i think they fit in most of them into this movie <laughs> Well, I said before that there was things in this movie that reminded me of Oz, and there's several that you see in the first scene with time. The one little robot looked like the Tin Man to me. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it looked like he had the same same shape of the head. He reminds me of TikTok. There was a credit on IMDb that said TikTok, and I kind of was expecting some sort of an Oz reference, but I don't remember anyone actually saying that their name was TikTok. And it says TikTok, and then the name of the actor uncredited. So I don't know if it was on purpose or not. I don't know. Probably one of the machine things. I don't know. It could have been. Doesn't the Red Queen call time TikTok? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Also, Wilkins looks like TikTok. That I kind of thought that too. Also, Wilkins 
is voiced by Matt Vogel, which I thought was interesting because he does a bunch of Muppets. Oh, yeah, I recognize his name. Yeah, yeah he's the current voice yeah. of Kermit and Big Bird and several other, like Uncle Dudley and I think Floyd from the band. He does He does a bunch of the big ones, but I thought it was interesting that they got him on as a voice for a non-Muppet character. But then there's also, I don't know if there's anything in Oz like this, but the vegetable people seemed like something from Oz, not Wonderland. Yeah, they feel more Oz than Wonderland. Yeah. I know when I was watching with the movie with my friend, he was like, is this a Alice thing? I was like, no. <laughs> was like, yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, when I first saw the one, because the one is a, a woman, and I, from a distance, I was like, is that one of the flower people? But then you got up close and was like, no, this person is made of vegetables. And I was like, I don't remember anything that this could be referencing in the Alice books. And uh, it, felt, it felt more like an Oz character to me because like oz has all the weird lands where all the people are different like the china land i think there was a candy land in one of them but it felt like it felt like there should be a vegetable land in oz rather than in wonderland well it's also not really uh it's not explained why like it's not explained why they're following the red queen no i didn't really get that either and i also didn't really know why the red queen was back like you have you have the one scene where you see the knave stabbed to death in the chair so she obviously killed him to escape from him but like how did she set up this other kingdom where she's now the ruler of the vegetable people and she lives in a shrub shape like her own head (laughs) because honestly when you get to that part it reminds me a lot of american mcgee except i think an american mcgee is actually supposed to be made out of gore so it makes me wonder they were like oh well, we like this aesthetic, but it's too dark to use. How can we make, also, how can there's we make probably it not be dark? some copyright infringement there if they were taking American McGee's. Well, I mean, they kind of just took a lot of his ideas. <laughs> um, well, it does kind of, like I, like I said, I've never played the game, but a lot of it does remind me of the things that I have seen from the game. So yeah. who knows? But anyway, so it's like, I think they went, you know what? Plants, like red <laughs> plants could look like similar to tissue and blood and stuff and it's and uh, yeah i guess so and then also they get to use the thorns but it's it doesn't make any sense it's really stupid yeah it doesn't fit with the wonderland vibe i guess but a bunch of the stuff doesn't really this is their own creation this is not the wonderland of the books anyway so (laughs) whatever they had to give her someone new because they made it so that because they had made it that the car people didn't want to follow her anyway also, what was with the bugs? Like her, the whole the shrub thing that she lived in was coated in bugs, like all these magical looking bugs. And she also had her ant farm, which like I didn't really get why she had the ant farm. Uh, uh, obviously, she, she needs it at the end. Things. Of, oh, that is that why she kept saying she liked tiny things? Yeah, <laughs> that was weird. Like cause <laughs> you didn't really get that in the first ones. Like, where did this obsession with tiny things come from? I, I would say she probably has like she likes unusual sizes is probably more accurate I suppose but she specifically was saying tiny things in this one but, yeah, yeah I guess so well in the first one it was about big things okay so maybe she's just one of those flighty people who goes from one obsession to the <laughs> next so yeah, she liked maybe. tiny things when she was young then she moved on to big things when her head got bigger and now she's back to tiny things 
I think in general she just I think they're trying to set her up to be like like unusual sizes. Yeah. And unusual things because of the whole bug thing. Mm-hmm. Like she liked bugs when she was a child and now she lives in a house full of glowing millipedes and things. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Something like that. Also they just needed the ant farm for her to hide the Hatter's family in. So that was a good way to get that in there i guess yeah and those were skipping around <laughs> i liked at the end that they had her had the white queen give them an eat me cake to get big again oh yeah yeah i because i had like i'd forgotten how how that all went down and i guess i assumed that they brought them to the white queen so that she could make that same potion that she made for alice to get her back to her right size yeah you don't really see much size differences in this one. Oh, actually never mind she wait uh, she goes through the glass and she's tiny for some reason. But why? Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that as far as, because like when she falls out of the room, she's big again. Yeah. That didn't really make a ton of sense. It didn't make a lot of sense. Honestly, you could take out that first scene in Wonderland. Yeah. And it I, wouldn't make a difference. I think they only had that in there so that they could use the title through the looking glass. <laughs> yeah, probably. I guess I know some of you losers actually read this book. Here's some of the stuff for you. All right, let's get on to our story. Let's get on to our completely made-up story. Yeah. Um. So how about the uh, the queens, their backstory? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I thought it was pretty silly, honestly, because like it's just like, oh, my what? 11 year old sister lied about something and now we're gonna hold the grudge for like a million years because i left the castle dramatically hurt my head so badly i guess yeah i thought it was just she she was supposed to have a big head in the first movie like she's big-headed yeah i don't think it needed a backstory (laughs) however i think that they were they wanted to go for the whole redeem the villain trope that disney's been doing so much recently so they were like we got to give her a tragic backstory so that by the end she can be good again. And the Red Queen didn't need that. I would have said just leave her rusted body in the past and then she's gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, this one, they make it so that the White Queen needs to be redeemed, really. That's true. They kind of made her the villain in a way. So it's it's weird because it's also it's just bizarre, though. Like She still can't acknowledge it even as an adult. Yeah. Whereas well, a lot of people are like, when they, they do something bad to their sibling when they're kids, and then they grow up, and the sibling's like, do you remember the time? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm sorry. That was that was really uh, not great of me. But she's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she does by the end, though. And I think that that's, I mean, they wanted her to, like, apologize, and that's how the whole redemption thing comes about because the red queen's like that's all i ever wanted to hear and now she's good again <laughs> but it's so weird like i know why, the whole thing is weird she's an adult why would why does she even like not want to why does she even want to deny it still well i'm i'm not gonna like say that that's not weird but like there are people in real life <laughs> who are like that who hold on to who don't want to admit their childhood wrongdoings and there are other people who hold on to grudges for the stupidest things so for as much as this whole storyline was weird 
that's not what I was focused on because I know there are people who would do similar things in real life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's a fine line, but I do think the ridiculousness made it more Wonderlandian to me. It's, it's, well, it's just a the, silly jam tart jam yeah. tart and literally a whole war happened and people died. I think if it had just been the tart, I would have been completely fine with it. But the fact that they went the extra step to have her run out of the castle, crack her head on the fountain thing, or whatever that was, the thing with the roses, and then have her head grow, that's where it kind of went into ridiculous. Because the tarts weren't the thing that I was thinking was dumb, because the tarts was an obvious reference to the first book with her, mm. what, who stole the tarts and everything. So that yeah. was fine. And I didn't mind, because that is ridiculous. It's very Wonderlandian to be ridiculous about tarts being stolen but i don't think that they needed the tragic backstory of her having a head injury and having yeah. her head swell up that's where that's what made it get into ridiculous in a not good way uh, i didn't mind too much to be honest <laughs> now we're opposites <laughs> <laughs> that's fine I, i'm just like it's fine and you're like it doesn't make any sense <laughs> It, it's overdoing it i'm like it's fine i think it's just for me it's the fact that like i've said for years like i like a good re villain redemption story but now it's like they do it all the time and i'm over it uh, <laughs> <laughs> like like i love i used to love when they'd have a great villain turn good but now it's like they do that all the time and they have villains turn good for the most minuscule of reasons and this is one of the most egregious because Literally, she just needed her sister to apologize, and now decades of murder are forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> like, she was a ruthless tyrant who beheaded a literal moat full of people. Like, you have the whole scene, there's like how many heads floating in that thing? She's killed all those people. And now it's fine. Her sister apologized. <laughs> and that was completely right. She could, there's... She couldn't run a kingdom. No, that's true. Her her dad was he didn't foresee that, I'm sure, but he knew that her she was unstable. Yeah. You're still upset over this one thing. <laughs> and really, even though the whole thing is forgiven now, I bet if they did come back and make a third sequel, they'd have her revert to her old tyrannical ways. Because oh, <laughs> like, sure. we'd we'd need a, a good villain. And who where else are you gonna get a good villain than have her be evil i can't believe that the, if not that they'll make another one but i couldn't believe that she's good now like even though they, they've made nice i could see what's her name marana whatever likely that one i did write down let me look i think it was marana i forget i just called them the white kid the white queen, queen. The, red queen. <laughs> the white queen i will say uh because i feel like there are a lot of people who just want to love their family so much they forgive everything yeah so like i could believe that yeah, no, yeah. definitely. She seems wispy and weak enough to do that. <laughs> that's that's very true. They didn't really have her be. They didn't spend enough time on it to get the sense that all is forgiven. But I could see her specifically wanting her sister back and being remorseful about the part she played in that to forgive mm. her in that moment. And I know there, I know there are definitely people who's like, I did this wrong thing, and that excuses everything they did. Yeah, and it's like. No, it doesn't. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. No, I think that's she literally killed the people. There. Yeah. 
<laughs> and not just the beheaded people. Like that, you have that whole scene of her sending the Jabberwocky in to fry that entire party. Yeah, it's... and also keeping the Hatter's family locked up for years yeah. upon years. She's like, I like tiny things. Like that makes it funny. <laughs> I kept these people imprisoned, even though really it wasn't their fault. I was wearing no. a hairstyle that was not conducive to wearing this tiara. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that was that also was ridiculous. She must have had a ton of hairspray in because he tried to press that thing into her hair and her hair did not budge and the crown just broke. So like yeah. she had industrial strength hairspray yeah. in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking he should just put the crown on top of one of the little heart hump things. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have done that. Hair's not going down, just tilt it. Or, like, make a tiara, just stick it into the hair. Yeah, yeah. that would be a good idea, too. So why is she getting crowned and her sister already has a tiara? I think it was supposed to be two different things because they said it was her sister's coming of age. And then the crown was, like, symbolizing that she was going to be the next queen. But the whole the whole political thing does not make sense. Like they're making this yeah. up as they go. But I think that's what they were going for. Like it was like a double ceremony for two different things. Mm. May I imagine being the audience at that? <laughs> Just like, oh, awkward. I think the audience probably was happy about it because they didn't seem to like her very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like uh even if that jam tart thing never happened and the white queen admitted that she shouldn't have done that, the white queen would still be an awful person. I think the way they set it up, they're trying to say that she would not have been an awful person. Like if she had never gone out and hit her head, she would never have had that traumatic brain injury. Cause I think they're saying this brain injury is what made her the awful person that she is. Mm, kind of like a disability, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. It's it's. To be honest, I don't think they should have bothered. No, I, no. I, I, it's like, just another thing in the backstory yeah. that they didn't need to add. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like I don't really care. It doesn't bother me too much. But also, they didn't really need to do it. No. Something funny about the whole uh, time traveling thing is, I guess every Wonderland character—I'm sorry, Underland character—they're like all the same age. <laughs> I did think that too, because yeah. she goes back to that one time, and they're all like kid versions of themselves. Hatter was a cute kid, though. Oh yeah, all the kids were cute. I liked the Cheshire kitten. Cheshire kitty. <laughs> exactly. I was like, why is this not the Mad Hatter we got? <laughs> <laughs> It reminded me of, which one is it? Like 1910 with the little kids. Do you know which one I'm talking about, Jenna? Um, There's the one old silent movie where she, like everybody's played by little kids. And the, the, the tea party is one of my favorite tea parties because you have the little kids, like the Mad Hatter is a yeah, little yeah, boy. And like he's, the, he's like shoving the dormouse into the giant teapot. I love that scene. <laughs> That was not a reference to that. It just the kid had or reminded me of that. Mm, yeah, it reminded me of Muppet Babies. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> just random baby sequence. Don't give Disney ideas; they'll make a spinoff. Oh no! <laughs> Would that be so terrible? This is very random, but I liked when the Queen 
seems like she's just killed his family and she jumps on the Jabberwocky's leg and kisses it. <laughs> it was very random. I liked how weird that was. <laughs> I like that her the family's taken away. She holds up her, her arm, holding up the half-broken crown and being like, revenge to nobody <laughs> because they've been taken away. She doesn't know Alice is there. <laughs> She's just giggling evilly to herself. Yeah. By, by love, I mean I hate it. <laughs> it's stupid but I guess it would be in character for her she's kind of stupid yeah no I didn't question it it just seemed like something weird that she would do giggling to herself and saying revenge <laughs> <laughs> another random observation was that apparently the Hatter does not wear makeup that's his actual skin because he turns white when he's sick and dying and then when she comes back and she says she believes him all his makeup, or apparently not makeup, just starts flowing back in. His hair turns orange again. All of his colors are apparently his natural skin and hair tones. Yeah, that actually bothered my friend that they don't explain <laughs> why why that is, but uh, they explain away her head, which makes an interesting question. Like, what's the difference? So for the Red Queen, it's not natural. Like, something happened for her to get the big head. Mm-hmm. But he just like was born with big eyes and developed the skin and the hair. Well, I we mean, need, it, we need this... a third movie to have a tragic backstory for him where he was stricken with some sort of pox and it was a magical wonderland pox and it turned his skin <laughs> rainbow colors and gave him peppermint eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a, I, there was a scene I, where his uh, weird peppermint eyelids was falling off. Oh, was there? Yeah. I was like, like accident or Yeah, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> it was I like it was that. slipping down, you could see the glue underneath. Oh yeah, that sounds like an error. <laughs> yeah, I didn't You got notice. really close to his face and I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> I didn't notice. Like did no one notice and they're or did they notice and they're just like, Well, we just wanna wrap it up. We're almost finished. This is the last shot. <laughs> Who knows? But- I do wonder if, uh, it's probably not on purpose, but it's kind of commentary between like when something's natural and when it's unnatural, I guess. I don't think there's any consistency for the, for these movies. <laughs> I don't think they gave it enough thought. I doubt they gave it a lot of thought, but it, it sets itself up for that kind of thought process. Yeah. Like, it's okay that the Red Queen, you know, ended up being bad because something happened to her. She had a brain um, injury, so it's fine. Yeah. We'll forgive all the murders. Yeah. Whereas Hatter, you're different, but it's who you are. You were born this way. So it's okay, and we're proud of you? Or did he know. contract Wonderpox, and now he's <laughs> that way? <laughs> now we need to explain it. <laughs> Another random observation. <laughs> I don't know why, but I really liked the scene where she's in her shrub castle thing and she's looking at her ant farm. And this is before you know that his family's in there. And she just shakes it and says earthquake and laughs to herself. Yeah, she's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a psychopath. Yes. <laughs> it must have been absolutely terrible for them. I wonder how many earthquakes they had to endure. 
Did she just come by every day and shake that thing? Also, what did they eat in there? There's only sand in there. Did she did she break off pieces of her vegetable cronies and feed them those? I mean, she literally would break off pieces of them, so maybe. (laughs) Oh, so since I latch on to characters randomly, the king was my favorite, but that could have just because it was Richard Armitage. Uh, literally the king that was barely in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the king made zero impression on me. I don't think I even wrote any notes on him other than to write he was, that he gave the crown to the white queen instead. He was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He just delivered every line with such sincerity. <laughs> I'm I'm glad he has a fan. <laughs> If he listens to this, he'll have his little heart warmed. <laughs> she was like, he's like, she, Katie gets, Katie gets me. She, she got what I was going for. It wasn't just a paycheck. I really put my soul into this movie. <laughs> they cut out all my best scenes. <laughs> In a way, I think this movie just ties up the loose ends more nicely, though. I don't really have anything to pick at. Mm-hmm. I mean, the petrification of time is kind of, it's very cliche of a time travel plot, kind of. Like, you ruin mm-hmm. time, you can't let anybody see past you. I don't know, that's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. But they wanted a climax. Well, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, who made these rules anyway? Like, why yeah. does all this, like, why does everything rest or whatever was happening to them? Why do they all break down and why does everything freeze just because the Red Queen saw her child self? I, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but... Well, it's so like a paradox thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but I should, probably shouldn't think too hard about it because it's all a fantasy world anyway. That is kind of the thing with this movie's plot. And it's the same thing for the first one, actually. You really can't think that hard about the plot. Yeah. Because um, it, it just kind of falls to pieces. <laughs> um, like, another thing is, like, okay, so, wait. Was Alice meant to have gone back in time the, the whole time? Because, if you recall, the Hatter, hair and Dormouse waste time's time. <laughs> I did. I and, liked that scene. I liked yeah. the- <laughs> I liked that they made a reference to that. Like, from the original book, like, it's always tea time. Like, having time frees them in that time. Yeah, but anyway, he, he puts them in a time loop until Alice does appear. Presumably child mm-hmm. Alice, I yes. guess. Yes, yes. That's but, what I got so from it. Yeah, so it's kind of like, wait. So, this was always meant to happen. Alice was always meant to steal the chronosphere. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did, not that I like this about it, but they did set up in the first one with the oraculum. as Their <laughs> history has all been predetermined. So I guess in that way, it does make sense that everything has to happen the way it does. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't make sense with, like, if everything has to happen the way it does... Why is it bad that they went back in time and messed with time and then broke time and then everything rests and falls away? And <laughs> it's another thing that 
it doesn't hold up if you think too hard about it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean. Like you can't think too hard about it. Yeah. That's why I'm like, you can't think too much about how that time loop was already in place when Alice first came. Mm-hmm. Um, you also can't really think about why they are trying. Why they're like, oh well, I invited her. I didn't say she'd come. Like he hadn't met her yet at that point, right? Well, he had met so, the adult Alice, but I don't remember him actually inviting her to a tea party when he met her as an adult. Because remember, they had that whole scene where she said that he would meet her when he's older and she's younger, and then he was confused by that. Yeah. I don't. Oh, he, uh, I mean, I guess he did say at some point, let's go drink tea. And she's oh, talking that madly. Yeah. I was writing a bunch of notes at that point, so maybe I was typing through it and just. Well, this this is what I mean. Like, it when you pick at the threads, it starts to fall apart. (laughs) It's very confusing (laughs) to really analyze what timeline everything is and what's happened before and Uh who's met who. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, even in the things that I like, there are definitely problems. So it's just it's whatever. I guess the difference for me is it's a okay, both films are like tapestries. I don't like the image the first film makes. So I could tear it, I can I could pull threads. I don't care. Mm-hmm. This one I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I I like it. So it's like I'm more willing not to pick out threads. Yeah, that does help. <laughs> Yeah, the, I know if I do, it falls apart. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm not, yes. I'm not saying it's a good movie, and I'm not saying it's a good Alice. I'm you, saying you sound like it's me okay. with the first movie. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. We switched roles. Except I feel mostly the same with this one. Like I, it's not. It's definitely not a good adaptation of Through Looking Glass. It's not an adaptation of Through the Looking Glass at all. Unless you want to count that very brief scene where she actually walks through. But other than that, I don't mind the movie that they've built. It has definite problems. It could be a lot better, but I still enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Of course, part of me is like, you know, my when I saw this in the theater, my expectations were rock bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you couldn't get farther bottom. I was like, I'm going to hate this. So... Um, it's, you know, there's a big part of me that's still just kind of like, it's not as bad as I thought it'd be. That definitely does help any movie. If you go in expecting the worst and you get a decent movie, it does seem a whole <laughs> lot better than it, than it should. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, in a way, I could be a little biased towards this movie, I suppose, because, you mm-hmm. know, I hated the first one so much. So, um, and in a way it's, I, you know, maybe I'm still having a hard time looking at it objectively as a movie without comparing it to the first one and then therefore liking it. I, I don't know. I, I can't prove that I would have liked it as much if I hadn't seen the first one. You know, like if this was a standalone movie, but yeah. I feel like I would have. Like if this was the first movie, more of a symbolic journey of an uh, internal process Alice is having, I feel like I would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well. I guess we'll never know because the first one exists and you hated it. So, <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the timeline where I hate Burton. <laughs> <laughs> it's determined by this one thing that I did. You guys are welcome. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. I guess my last thought is 
whenever the Mad Hatter said, my family, and his really high-pitched, squeaky voice. My family. I, I was like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> I did think he was a little bit too childish at times. It's like, yeah, I know he's like supposed to be slightly mad, but he seemed like, I don't know. I just don't like Johnny Depp, to be honest. I'm done with Johnny Depp. So I don't really care about the Hatter. I think, I don't know if I liked him more in this one or the first one. I I liked, I liked him more in this one. I'll say that. Okay. I like the idea of where they're going with this character. He, he has waves. Like sometimes I like him, his performance better than others, I guess. Mm. But I do, I do like how weird he is. Like that's that's one of the reasons why I like these versions because I do like how weird his version of the Mad Hatter is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm just gonna give the compliment that it's better than the first movie. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> this is probably as good a place as any to end. <laughs> I think we've probably exhausted all of our very random opinions on this movie. <laughs> Well, it was uh, certainly a discussion. <laughs> yes. And hopefully a fun one. Hopefully people will be interested in what we have to say and not be offended at our <laughs> opinions. I don't know if anybody's like that dedicated of a fan of this movie that they would be upset. Well, I, I, not I, that we I, not that we bashed it I, like I think it'd be more fans of the first movie, but I, I don't know who would yeah. watch. Well, if they if they were a fan of the first movie and they listened to that podcast, they probably won't be back for this. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess until next time, do you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want more, Jenna? Uh, yes, I am Phantomwise on YouTube. And uh, love hyphen gift of a fairy tale on YouTube as well. And that's really all I'm active on. Okay. And Katie? And I'm Katie Draws Things on Twitter and Instagram. And I draw things sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will have links to all of your various locations. Awesome. Thank you. Well, until next time. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Disney Movie Marathon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and follow my co-hosts as well. My link tree and all of our links will be in the description below. If you want more of my content, all my podcasts are available on YouTube as well as most podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this show, check out one of the other podcasts or check out my Patreon for bonus and extended episodes you won't find anywhere else. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.